0: Welcome to the new WellMed Radio, a service of WellMed medical management. Over the next half hour, WellMed Radio will educate you about the health and wellness of adults everywhere. Co-hosts Dr. Joshua Beck and veteran broadcaster and attorney Ron Aaron will share information to improve your health and well-being. Here are Ron Aaron and Dr. Joshua Beck. Well, thank you very much and welcome to WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. Dr. Beck is a WellMed physician. You find him at the WellMed Clinic at 410 in Centerview, board certified in family medicine. Nice to see you again. Nice to see you. And in knowing how much you are dedicated to research, as we were talking, you pulled up some really neat pictures of the kind of bacteria we're going to be talking about in just a minute with Dr. Elisa Holland what do you have there on your uh, iPhone?
1: Yeah, so we were just—I was just pulling up the different kinds of bacteria that can potentially cause um, a, uh, a more serious type of infection called necrotizing fasciitis. We know that as flesh-eating, or flesh-eating bacteria, which you see all over the news now with everybody—you uh, know, you know—concerned about going to warm water, uh, uh, you know, lakes and uh, rivers and you know and such. And uh, so there are, there are different kinds of uh, bacteria that can predispose you or, you know, that you can become potentially infected with. that can lead to this more serious infection.
0: So. Well, let's bring our guest on board. Dr. Elisa mm-hmm. Holland is with Wellmett at Bayside in Florida. And Dr. Holland, a graduate of Baylor University uh, in Waco, Texas, earned her medical degree at Florida State University in Tallahassee, Florida, her residency at Texas Health Presbyterian Hospital in Dallas, Dr. Holland Holland is board certified in internal medicine. And Lisa, thanks for coming on WellMed Radio.
2: Yeah, thank you for having me.
0: So talk to us a little bit about the kind of bacteria that Dr. Beck was mentioning. I know staph infections and uh, MRSA and flesh-eating bacteria are top of mind for many folks because there's been news coverage in the newspaper the other day. Eighty-five percent of Texas beaches are polluted and if you swim there, you're at risk of contracting some of these terrible bacteria.
2: Yeah, it's it's a good reason to try and keep our beaches clean. Um, but, you know, I will say that uh, staph infections, um, spelled S-T-A-P-H, actually, not S-T-A-F-F, staph infections uh, cause usually small skin infections. Um, and we can talk about that. But it, occasionally, as as many people have seen in the media, um, they can uh, become much more serious. And Staphylococcus and aureus, this bacteria that we're talking about today, um, does have the ability to cause uh, a flesh-eating skin infection.
0: And is there a treatment for that? I know a few years ago, boy, if you got one, they had to fly in some powerful stuff from the CDC in Atlanta, airship it, guarded by military personnel, because it was so powerful and rare.
2: Uh, you know, most... Most infections of staph aureus, even the serious ones, are able to be treated with IV antibiotics, um, you know, if they're more serious. And and sometimes in the case of this flesh-eating bacteria-type infection, uh, officially called necrotizing fasciitis, uh, sometimes surgery is needed or uh, specialized oxygen treatments are helpful to, to treat that kind of infection.
1: Yes, I would agree with Dr. Holland. And so um, the way that this might present, to start off with, the concern is that these bacteria tend to overpopulate and live in, in, uh, you know, these, uh, especially in the summer, you know, in these warm water, you know, uh, lakes and, uh, you know, dirty lakes and uh, rivers and such. And, and, And what predisposes people to getting these are having um, you know cuts you know on their feet. They're swimming in the water. They're going tubing. Uh, you know, they're enjoying a nice hot summer day, you know, uh, out at the lake. And uh, so they have, uh, you know, and and it doesn't even have to be a big cut, you know, it could be a small cut, you know, you had a pedicure, or you had, you know, you were trimming your toenails, and you actually accidentally nicked your toe, or something of the like, you know, women that shave their legs, uh, or men for that matter, and uh, you get a little uh, micro uh, laceration to the skin, and it Predisposes these, this bacteria to see through. Well, they're tiny, those bacteria. Yeah, they're microscopic.
0: <laughs> so they can go through anything.
1: Yeah, and so they, yeah. they tend to infect the underlying tissue. And, uh, you know, subsequently, you know, this can develop into an infection, which many of us, uh, you know, will, will, will see this with patients coming in with what looks like a cellulitis or just a, a superficial skin infection uh, with redness and warmth to the area and uh you know uh but of course the necrotizing fasciitis will usually uh progress much much quicker uh and sometimes you know these uh superficial skin infections turn into abscesses which uh you know Dr Holland uh you know had alluded to uh, which require uh, you know, more extensive treatment, sometimes surgery. Sometimes uh, you start with oral antibiotics, and if you fail that, then you move on to IV antibiotics. And sometimes people need to be admitted for this kind of stuff.
0: We'll talk to Dr. Holland more in just a moment, but for folks who are just joining us, I'd like you to know you're listening to WellMed Radio, along with our special guest on the WellMed Radio hotline, Dr. Elisa Holland, WellMed at Bayside, Florida, And our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck, here in the studio. I'm Ron Aaron. So, Dr. Holland, uh, are these when they, as Dr. Beck was talking about, a patient presents with uh, some kind of skin irritation, looks like maybe some kind of infection, is it easy to diagnose or are there tests needed to find out what kind of bacteria it is? And does it matter? Do you need to know?
2: Uh, Staph infections are relatively easy to diagnose and sometimes no test is necessary to diagnose that. Clinicians, doctors, nurse practitioners, physician's assistants can often look at a skin infection and identify Staphylococcus aureus as being the likely cause for that uh, For that skin infection but in the instance that we have an opportunity to take a culture which is to say take a small specimen send it off to the lab let it get looked at under the microscope that would allow us confirmation of the exact bacteria that it is and uh, sometimes that changes your treatment plan there are certain staph infections that are susceptible to many oral antibiotics And then on the other hand, there are certain kinds of staph infection, often these days termed as MRSA, M-R-S-A, MRSA, usually responds to fewer antibiotics. And so it's important to know when you're dealing with a resistant staph infection like MRSA, or a regular staph
0: infection. So as uh, parents, Dr. Beck and I both have young kids, uh, and you get the call from the uh, nurse's office at the school, and they say, hey, you know, we're worried your kid's in here, sore throat, a uh, little fever. It may be a staph infection. Can you take them to the doctor and get it tested? Is that a similar bacteria?
2: So what that often is, is a strep infection, and it looks a little bit like staph. Uh, they are round, the way that staff. Staphylococcus is round, but thankfully most of those circumstances end up not being staph, often ends up being strep, and yes, there is a culture, a test to identify uh, a strep infection uh, for a sore throat in a young kid.
0: It's interesting. Dr. Beck has on his iPhone a um, micron picture of uh, the bacteria, and they're very colorful and very pretty.
2: They are. In fact, you know, Staphylococcus, I think... Uh, originated from a Latin term that meant bunch of grapes, so it often looks like a little cluster of grapes.
0: And are they always around on your skin and elsewhere?
2: Yeah, they mostly are. Um, There's a good percentage of people in the U.S., adults in the U.S. that have Staphylococcus on their skin at some point in their lives or another, somewhere around 30 percent, so it's pretty common to have stuff on your skin. It's the uh, as Dr. Beck was referring to earlier, it's the micro-lacerations, the very tiny cuts. When that staff migrates into that little area, that's how you can end up with an infection from it. Otherwise, it's just called colonization, and it just can live there sometimes.
0: So they just hang out waiting to get inside your body.
2: Sometimes. That's
0: right. Now, what about MRSA? That, uh, Especially a few years ago, banner headlines, man. If you got MRSA, you were in serious, serious trouble.
2: MRSA is becoming a bigger and bigger problem. Uh, in the community, MRSA infections are really starting to rise, uh, and that would be because of uh, general antibiotic use or poor hygiene, sometimes crowded places. The transmission of MRSA, and it and it can transmit from person to person, uh, the transmission of MRSA becomes very easy. The community-acquired MRSA infections are really going up in their numbers. Thankfully, hospital-acquired MRSA infections, so uh, an infection that develops because of MRSA while somebody is in the hospital, uh, that is decreasing over time, thankfully, because of extra efforts that everybody is putting forward to decrease spread. And that probably started from that peak that you mentioned just now.
0: Right, and the difference between MRSA and other sort of bacteria, skin infections, is it eats up your flesh.
2: Well, it can, and so you can end up with uh, some very serious complications from staph infections, including that flesh-eating bacteria infection, skin infection, not all bacteria can cause that kind of infection. But complicated or severe staph infections can also cause heart infections, it can get into uh, the lining of the brain and cause something called meningitis, can get into the bone and cause something called osteomyelitis, and not every bacteria has the ability to do these things.
0: Now, how did you get so steeped in all this? Is it out of curiosity or because of your practice?
2: Well, I'm going to say it's probably a little bit of both, you know, you, you... drive yourself to learn the things that you see on a regular basis. You want to learn a lot about them so that you can educate your patients, because that is so much of preventing spread of MRSA and treating it properly. But I do see a lot of staph infections, know, it's just, it's uh, getting to be pretty common.
0: And as you see those and try to educate your patients, uh, are there other bacteria that we ought to be worried about uh, that were at risk for contracting that Uh, perhaps we're not aware of as just, you know, your everyday consumer.
2: Probably the one that is most common to tell people about is a strep strep infection, strep throat. We talked a little bit about that earlier. There are some bacteria that are becoming also more common, uh, creating more complicated infections for people that are developing because of antibiotic resistance in the community. They don't have easy names to pronounce like staph and strep, uh, but uh, it is important to educate people about antibiotic resistance and overuse of antibiotics because in a, in a sense, that's what led to the development of MRSA, which that's- stands for methicillin resistant Staph aureus. It's a resistant bacteria.
0: We'll talk about more of that in just a couple of moments. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. On our WellMed Radio hotline, Dr. Elisa Holland. She's at WellMed at Bayside, Florida. Carol we talk a lot about caregiving on Caregiver SOS on air, but
2: what is it? If caregiving is caring for a family member, a friend, a loved one, someone who's in your life that needs help with bathing, dressing, buying groceries, medical appointments. If you do any of those things, you're a caregiver.
0: And how can this program
2: help? Caregiver SOS On Air has information from people who have been caregivers, who work with caregivers. It can be book authors, scientists, doctors, the latest information on caregiving.
0: And one of the things we learn from so many folks is they fail to ask for help when they need it.
2: Well, caregivers do need help. We don't like to ask for help, but we need it. And you'll get tips on how to ask for help and how to have a better life as a family caregiver.
0: Plus, there's a great website you can go to, caregiversos.org. Caregiver SOS on air, Sundays at 6 p.m. on 930 a.m., The Answer. We are so glad you are with us today on WellMed Radio. I'm Ron Aaron, along with our co-host, Dr. Joshua Beck. And we're talking bugs, infections, and bacteria. On our WellMed Radio Hotline with Dr. Elisa Holland. She's with WellMed at Bayside, Florida. And Dr. Holland, we'll get back to you in just a moment. Dr. Beck had a couple of things uh, on this topic he wanted to jump in.
1: Yeah, so a couple of things, and I, I just wanted to, to agree with Dr. Holland that a lot of the, uh, the problem with these multi-resistant bacteria... Or the fact that, you know, there's overprescription of antibiotics. You know, too many people get antibiotics for viral uh, upper respiratory and sinus infections, uh, you know, when when really, you know, a lot of those can be treated conservatively. And so, you know, now with the push towards evidence-based medicine and trying to get, you know, all providers and, you know, doctors and nurse practitioners and PAs and such— to kind of practice uh, in a more conservative approach when it comes to prescribing antibiotics. I think that's one thing that can help and also advances in medicine, you know, with creation of new antibiotics, which can be used to fight, you know, multidrug-resistant bugs. Uh, So when the outpatient oral antibiotic treatment fails and the patient continues to get worse and they get admitted, you know, like Dr. Holland had said, you know, sometimes if there's an ulcerated uh, or uh, an abscess you know that 's draining, and we can culture it, and that tells us what bacteria it is oftentimes that 'll tell us also uh, the sensitivities as to which antibiotics can be used. But the other point that I wanted to make, and I agree with Dr. Holland, is that this diagnosis can be made clinically when the patient presents so the things that the patient would want to watch out for. If they do suspect that they have an early skin infection, would be redness, you know, to the skin that continues to worsen and the redness continues to spread. Um, You know, cellulitis can affect any part of the skin, but oftentimes, uh, you know, we'll see patients, especially, you know, in this case, you know, when they've been swimming at the lake or whatever. Uh, It may be uh, in their lower extremities or their upper extremity and the redness continues to get worse. The other thing that kind of points us towards an infection would be warmth to the area or the area continues to swell, which might uh, allude towards a, uh, a MRSA infection, because MRSA infections tend to drain and form abscesses, whereas other skin infections will just be a skin infection without you know, drainage. Uh, and so that's uh, another thing uh, to watch out for. But as far as the uh, multi-drug resistance and, and as far as like uh, necrotizing fasciitis, which is a more severe form of skin infection, Oftentimes, these patients will develop systemic symptoms so that they don't only get the redness and the warmth, but they also develop fever and chills uh, and such. And that's when oftentimes that will elude a provider to get labs to look for an elevated white blood cell count, which would uh, be another marker of inflammation and infection uh, and maybe allude to to a more serious problem.
0: We're talking about problems on the skin, our, our largest organ. When you move inside, for example, uh, the colon, Dr. Holland, uh, there are folks, and I happen to be one, who had been prescribed uh, to treat a variety of issues as z and I developed uh, C. diff, which is not anything you really want to have uh, a- as an infection in the colon. Yeah,
2: it, you know, the C. diff is, is a difficult bacteria to, uh, it's a difficult infection to deal with. And, that was and not and fun. Somebody. Yeah, can put somebody through a lot of grief. Um, And so, um, you know, there are plenty of times where infections are due to bacteria and antibiotics are the correct treatment. But it's important for prescribers and for patients to remember that you want to do no harm. First thing, do no harm. So if you really think that uh, an infection is going to improve with antibiotics, give those antibiotics. And uh, know that you had to do it. And if you're not certain they need antibiotics, maybe it's worth keeping an eye on it uh, and and being sure before you go forward with that. Because, unfortunately, complications like C. diff uh, can happen because of uh, use of antibiotics.
0: You know, that's interesting. I, I'm old enough, 77, to remember uh, as a kid uh, where if you had the sniffles or something, your mom would call uh, the doctor and Say you know, I think little Ronnie needs an antibiotic. And boom, of course, he was prescribed, usually penicillin, now amoxicillin. Uh, and now when the doctor says, and Dr. Beck and I were talking about this off the air, when the doctor says, no, I, I really don't think an antibiotic is necessary in this play, case. It's a virus. It'll cure itself. And the patient goes nutso and says, no, I want an antibiotic. So what do you do, Dr. Okay. Holland?
2: Yeah, that's a that's a tough situation because, of course, you want to keep a good relationship with your patient, but the fact of the matter is I am here for their health, and there may be some things that, uh, that I understand that that patient might not understand, and that's an education opportunity. And so I take that time that it takes to explain the difference between a virus and a bacteria, And the importance of not prescribing an antibiotic if I really do feel that an infection is caused by a virus because of antibiotic resistance. And, and, you know, I would hate for some complication to happen to that person because of an antibiotic. And I look back and say, gosh, I probably didn't need to prescribe that to begin with.
0: Well, tell tell them about your new friend, Ron Aaron, who ended up with C. diff.
2: It unfortunately happens so often, and and I do often tell people about C. diff as a potential outcome and and, uh, just the understanding, you know, knowledge is power. And so a lot of times with proper understanding of the reasons that I'm making the decisions that I'm making, um, they'll they'll eventually agree with me.
0: So what about taking a a probiotic uh, as a way to prevent that uh, uh, additional infection in your colon? Uh, I've been taking one, about 80 trillion bacteria a day. I pop in my mouth in a tiny little yeah. capsule. Uh, do you recommend that to your patients?
1: Yeah,
2: you know, sometimes I do. There are studies showing that, uh, that there are certain probiotics out there that can make a difference, that can uh, add some good bacteria, which we all have. We all have good bacteria that live in our colon. And the problem with antibiotics is they wipe out the bad bacteria, which they're supposed to do, And then often, unfortunately, also wipe out the good bacteria with it. And then you can get something like C. diff as a result. So probiotic, meaning put some good bacteria back into the gut, can make a difference for people, not only in preventing C. diff infections, but some people have some digestive difficulties because of antibiotic use. And probiotics can sometimes make that a little easier on them.
1: Dr. Beck, do you recommend probiotics? Yeah, I would say that I agree with that too. Uh, in certain situations, you know, and you'll see that in the hospital also. when you know, when, for example, Dr. Holland and I see our patients in follow-up for a transition visit or a post-hospitalization visit, oftentimes, if they're on uh, some serious antibiotics, they'll they'll be on a uh, uh, you know relatively short course of uh, probiotics to go along with that to kind of help replenish that good bacteria. Uh, And not only with uh, antibiotics, but just, you know, let's just say you have somebody that comes in with diarrhea. There are some studies that suggest that probiotics will actually help slow the diarrhea down in addition to the other treatments that you give uh, or that you recommend, even if conservative treatment, you know, for, let's just say, a a stomach virus. Uh, There are some studies that suggest that the probiotics will help slow down the diarrhea. So I think in certain situations, they're beneficial. Is there a limit on how long and how many you should take? Can you have too much good bacteria? Yeah, I would say that, you know, uh, it really just depends. You know, obviously, if you start having problems with it and it causes problems of its own. I mean, there are other consequences of having too much bacteria, like bacterial overgrowth. Uh, in the in the GI tract, that can cause its own problems, and so it really just depends. Wow. Um, I think like everything in moderation is key. So, so Dr. Yeah, Holland, do. Uh, yeah. do you have any
0: kids?
2: I do. I have two two children.
0: Would you take them to the beach now?
2: I was there with one yesterday, <laughs> and so yes, I would. But you know, it's it's about being conscientious, uh, being cautious. These bacteria have been in water. Uh, and necrotizing fasciitis, this flesh-eating skin bacteria, uh, have been around for a very long time. And so um, there, there may be a correlation between the pollution and the temperature of the water, uh, but that, you know, we should always stay cautious, as I have before, you know, protect wounds, keep them clean. Don't go in an ocean or a lake if you have an open wound. These are things that I tell people on a regular basis, have always told them. And so uh, if my daughter had had something going on like that, we would not have gone to the beach. Thankfully, we were both fine.
1: My kids wear uh, wetsuits when they go to the beach. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Like the bubble boy, cover
0: them
2: up,
1: right? There won't be any sunburns. Yeah, no, I'm just kidding. I mean,
0: that's the other flip side uh, what kind of skin block do you use? And when we get older, many of us are vitamin D deficient because we use so much sunscreen.
2: Well, you know, the worst of two evils is definitely what sun can do to you. So I say use the sunscreen, take a vitamin D supplement if you need it.
0: We got about a minute left. And before we let you go, Dr. Holland, I'm curious, what what haven't we asked you about this whole question of uh, bacteria and infections?
2: thank you for asking. So there is one little thing that I I think is incredibly important, and that is proper hand washing and hand hygiene. These bacteria, staph aureus, spread, and people often touch their faces, they touch their arms, they touch their skin, and then touch other people. Uh, And so it's really important that we remember good hand hygiene. So that would be washing your hands, spending 15 to 30 seconds under that warm water, and, you know, I've timed it. You sing the ABCs or you sing happy birthday twice, and you have met the mark on on proper hand-washing time frame. And uh, just remember that the towel that you turn the water off with and open the bathroom door with to leave should be different than the uh, towel that you just threw away to clean your nice, clean hands. So uh, those, are, those are two really key points with, again, preventing spread of staff infection.
0: Well, I appreciate you joining us, and uh, w- we really enjoyed talking to you, Dr. Lisa Holland, WellMed at Bayside, Florida. You have a great day.
2: Thank you so much for having me.
0: I'm Ron Aaron, along with Dr. Joshua Beck, our co-host here on WellMed Radio, and we'll catch you again next week on WellMed Radio. Thank you for listening to WellMed Radio a service of WellMed Medical Management. We welcome your emails with suggestions and comments on this program at radio at wellmed.net. And please be sure to tune in next week for another edition of WellMed Radio.